it's really challenging. You don't walk in the office and someone says, hey, Daniel, great job today running the business. I'm so thankful for you. You don't get that pat on the back like a lot of team members do. It's one of the hardest things that I think a lot of people can sign up for to be an entrepreneur. But I also think it's one of the most rewarding. I've seen employees' lives completely change because they started working here. And it's really, really rewarding. But it's a long road. And you got to stay consistent. You got to find little ways to kind of pep yourself up. Maybe you work with a US coach. Maybe you have a support system or a network group or someone who you say, hey, once a week, can I just call and brag? That's my mom for me. I call and I brag to my mom. Can I just let it all out? Like this week we achieved this sales goal and she's like, I'm super proud of you. Well, thank you. It was nice to hear one time this week that my mom was proud of me. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Daniel Felt, founder and CEO of Cura Home. Daniel grew up on a hobby farm and began working for the small family business starting at a young age. And at 16, he helped his parents build their dream home on the farm, learning everything from concrete pouring to siding installation. Following college, Daniel worked for several years in the business and home service industry. And as a general manager, he saw that there was a huge need for busy homeowners to have their home maintenance taken care of in a professional manner, and Cura Home was established. Daniel has a growth-oriented mindset, and scaling the business with such rapid growth has been a great learning experience. Learning the difference between a distraction and an opportunity was huge for him as a business owner. He has been lucky enough to surround himself with a leadership team that holds him accountable and motivates him to pursue big goals for the company. The entrepreneurial journey has not always been an easy one, but he has always found it rewarding. Daniel learned that having the right people on your team will make or break your company. Listen in for some great takeaways about Daniel's entrepreneurial journey and the importance of your team and how to push yourself to continually innovate. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the pleasure of being with Daniel Felt, the founder and CEO of Cura Home. Thanks for joining us today, Daniel. Thank you, Larry. Honored to be on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Another entrepreneur from Minnesota, so it's great to have you on. And uh, I, can't, I I should keep track because I think you're probably up there in like the uh, high single digits of folks that we've had from Minnesota. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be one of the select few here. Yeah. So listen, just so our listeners have an understanding of who you are and, and your path to where you are today, can you share with everybody who's Daniel Felt and your path to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yep. So I'm I'm Daniel. I'm currently happily married with a almost two year old and new one on the way here as well. And started Cure Home in out of my garage in Plymouth, Minnesota, in 2016. And we've grown. I'm sure we'll talk a bunch about that. But before then, worked for a few different companies, a lot of systems, a lot of processes in those companies. I grew up on a small farm in the middle of Minnesota. I was the kid that was running out to clock into our the punch card there by 8 a.m. Uh, to make sure that I wasn't disciplined accordingly from my 
my manager, aka father. So <laughs> grew up family of six, very entrepreneurship. A few of my siblings own businesses as well. So my parents kind of feel like they did something right when they raised us just thinking of, with the mindset of, hey, you can, you don't have to work for someone, you can go out and chip away and, and run your own business. So yeah, a lot of really great experiences there growing up in a family of six. Yeah, it sounds like you uh, were in a uh, entrepreneurial incubator there to some degree. Yeah, my parents, you know, neither one went to college. They started, my dad bought my mom a dog in 1981. And at one point, the neighbor's dog came over and that started, you know, now you have a couple puppies to sell. They started selling them, I think, for $50 and they couldn't get rid of them in the 80s. They asked the vet, hey, what should we do? And he's like, well, what are you selling them for? And he's like, you got to raise your prices. So in the ad, the next week in the newspaper, they listed them for $350, thinking it was a complete waste. And they, the rest of the puppies sold almost instantly. So understanding the value of price and what you're selling, that started this amazing trend where today they actually sell dogs for $3,900 each. They've sold a puppy to every state in the US. And their waiting list actually got so long that they had to get rid of it. And now when they have a litter, let's say they have eight puppies, they open up that application process on their website and they send an email out. And it's usually within 10 minutes that they have eight applicants and they have to close it down. So really an incredible experience watching them build a business just off of hard work, values, all that good stuff. And today they they do really well for themselves. So they going from extreme poverty, I would say <laughs> growing up, we, we grew up on ramen noodles and 10 for 10 Roma pizzas. And uh, they're doing really well for themselves now. Amazing. And it must have been a, quite the uh, educational experience for you and your siblings, I guess, as well. Yeah, I was 12 years old, understanding the concept of keeping a receipt when you drove to town because it was a, a write-off to go in and get dog food or or whatever it was for that trip. So at a very young age, I was involved in in things that I don't think most kids are. So taxes and raising puppies seems like it would be a really great, you know, all flowers and, and, and awesome times. But <laughs> But I watch them sometimes have to have really tough conversations with people about maybe the health of a dog or something like that. And the amazing thing that I watched through that, Larry, is they constantly focused on on their value of 100% of the truth, 100% of the time. And I believe that that's one of the main reasons why they're successful today and sure. why they've been able to breed dogs for now 40 years. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's what we do here. You know, at my firm, we're fiduciaries. So we have to always act in our clients' best interests, and mm -hmm. we do that in every way, in every shape, in every form, because first and foremost, sometimes there are tough conversations as a result of that, but right. at the same time, you build relationships, rapport that stands the test of time, which I'm sure you've experienced uh, you know, through your own business now and then previously through what your, what your parents would, you know, had done. So can you tell us, Cura Home, what is it and what do you do? What it's all about? Yeah, for sure. Cura Home, we are located in Minneapolis, Dallas, Denver, and Atlanta, Georgia. Our main service is routine home maintenance. So we visit our clients' homes once every three months, and we do everything you're supposed to be doing as a perfect homeowner, but no one does. So we're cleaning AC units, dryer vents, refrigerator coils, changing, providing and changing all your filters there. So we do up to 32 services in that home on the quarterly basis. Because we also clean dryer vents, the market asks us to start cleaning air ducts as well. In the beginning, I thought this is a, there's no way air duct cleaning. You know, I think when you originally think of it, it's, uh, you probably don't have warm, fuzzy feelings. There's, you know, there's like, it's kind of a scummy industry to say, because there's people that come in and, and it's, it's easy to scam. So we started cleaning air ducts with the goal of changing that reputation for the industry, coming in and providing the same values that I grew up with. We're going to be 100% honest, 100% of the time. We're going to provide the value and we're going to, we're going to show, we're going to clean your air ducts very thoroughly. 
And we started doing that and that took off. Air duct cleaning is now, depending on the month, 50 to 60% of our revenue, even though in Minnesota alone, we have 560 people set up on that routine maintenance program. We get people asking for air duct cleaning all the time. You know, their neighbor did it or sibling did it just recently. So bringing that value to that air duct cleaning industry, there's a lot of really good guys out there doing it, really great companies. But unfortunately, there's quite a few that are trying to go in for a quick buck. So we're just trying to change that impression on the industry. So what's your model? Are you charging like a monthly fee for those 32 checkpoints, if you will? And then you do things on a, uh, I guess, a per service basis also, if people want? Yeah, we've tried a few different things over the years, you know, trial and error. Originally, we had a good, better, best model. The problem with that, Larry, is let's say that you live in a development and there's 100 houses are identical and all 100 people want to sign up, which would be really awesome. But those 100 people are going to sign up for a different version of those 32 services. And for that reason, the good, better, best model didn't work. When we switch to an a la carte option where what we do is, is someone from my team will come out and we'll walk through your home with you and we're going to check out your laundry room, your utility room and your kitchen. And we're going to walk through and, and we're going to show you, hey, Larry, if I lived here, here's everything that I would do. But then we sit down with a really nice customized form. It kind of looks like a report card that you receive in elementary school with it has a subject on the left hand side. And then there's four columns for each quarter. You can pick and choose the items that you want us to take care of. And then once we select that, it comes up with a, a price because some things are very affordable, really inexpensive, like greasing and oiling the garage doors, for example. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty easy task takes a few minutes, but other items where there's a expensive filter involved, or it's maybe more labor intensive, that is a little more costly on that item. But most of our clients end up between $199 and $399 per quarter, just depending on the size of your home and the items that you select. Nice. And if you needed them all or wanted them all, you could select those two is what you're saying, correct? Yeah. Yep. Because some people, they maybe they buy something like uh, in Minnesota, we have softener salt. And so mm-hmm. sports teams will provide, deliver softener salt. So some people want to support their team. So they say, hey, I don't want the softener salt because I buy it from Jimmy down the road to support the wrestling team, but we'll select everything else. So that's where that a la carte option is really nice because some people, to your point, select all of them and, and some people only want a few. Yeah. I just changed the uh, the batteries in all my alarms just the other day. I have like a reminder on my calendar to do it every six months. I usually do it with the change of the clocks yeah, And just so that they don't end up going off like they inevitably do at like three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> yeah. start chirping and going off when you least expect it and uh, try to get a little uh, jump start on that. But yeah, uh, it might be nice to have somebody come and take care of that for me. Now, do you set that up like on a recurring schedule yourself? So you guys just call us up, say, hey, reminder, we need to come in, take care of X, Y, Z. We need to schedule that appointment and then just take care of it. Yeah, what usually works best is when we're leaving your home and we're leaving that appointment, we set it up up for three months out. So we'll say, hey, it looks like a Tuesday morning works really well for you. So three months out, we could be there on the 15th, arriving between 8 and 10 a.m. And then they'll get a through our system, they'll get an automatic reminder a week and a day beforehand. And then our team sends them a text message when they're about 10 to 15 minutes away. Now, was this your first and only business or did this kind of morph, morph out of something else? Well, I will claim that my first business was uh, training horses when I was really young. When I was 11, I would buy horses that people were actually going to send to a butcher. So the cheapest horse I ever purchased was $50. It's a slow return, but a few years later, I sold it for $1,200. So, But you got to feed it and all that stuff, which my parents helped out. But there were some horses that over the, the summer, you could have them on pasture, so you're not having to buy hay. And I'd buy them for, you know, about three, $350 and then sell them to another 4-H kid for like seven fifty, 
And I went out and, you know, trained them every single day. Wow. But from there, through my parents' business, I would say a more sophisticated business, I would train dogs. And so a lot of these people would buy a dog and they don't know what to do. And for $100, I would come to your house and I would train you how to train your dog. So I'm working with the dog, but I'm the entire time focusing on here's how you need to do this to be successful. And what I found from that is that people didn't quite have, they're not going to be dedicated. They're not going to put the time in. So then I would say, well, for $700, I'll train your dog for a week. So you bring your dog to your house. And then that actually turned into boarding dogs as well. And so I was training and boarding dogs at my house in Plymouth, Minnesota. And I was also renting out the basement of my house and the dog business, which I felt was very passive because I was also working a a nine to five job that was pulling in about 34 K a year boarding and training dogs passively. And then I was renting out the basement of my home. And by doing those two things, that allowed me actually to start Kira home when the time came, because I had enough income to allow me to not starve essentially or end up in the streets. Right. So you had no experience with homes or anything like that prior in, in advance of Kira home or? Well, when I was 15 years old, my parents decided to build their dream home. And I was very, very cheap labor. And so (laughs) I would, there was times that my mom would call in and we're pouring the foundation tomorrow cement and we do it ourselves. So I was involved in every step from pouring the cement for the foundation to putting some of the top shingles on that house and everything in between drilling holes for electrical. So that really piqued my interest because my parents are, they really want things that if they're going to do it, we're going to do it right. And so everything on there just kind of being really involved in that process And then when I decided to start Cure Home, what I did is I became a certified home inspector. And that really gave me the next level of confidence to say, hey, because we have some clients that are in multi, multi multi-million dollar homes. Mm -hmm. And then we have maybe a home that's like a townhome that when it comes to maintenance is very simplistic compared to a multi-million dollar home that has like four furnaces and four AC units. So that becoming a, a certified home inspector, even though I don't inspect homes today, really gave me the knowledge and expertise to take that leap into starting my own company. Amazing. I'm sure you saw some of those pitfalls when you were looking at those homes as far as not the upkeep on the dryer vent and the coils, et right. cetera. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing when you have an eye for it. Like if I ever go on vacation with my family and we do a short term rental, my (laughs) wife has to tell me like, just don't look at the filters. (laughs) Just let it go, Daniel. And it's hard to, but it's like you kind of geek out on all this stuff on houses on how, how it all runs. That's funny. So listen, Kira Home seems to have a strong social media presence. What have you found most effective through your social media presence? Yeah, for sure. Our approach to social media is, is, hey, 99% of the time, we're going to try and educate people. And maybe 1% of these people decide, hey, I can't, I don't know how to do this. So the number one thing that's worked really well for us is kind of um, not copying, but looking at what works really well in the market. And I'm sure we've all seen like, uh, like, like the Dr. Pimple Popper, for example, right? And the, how grotesque that is. Right. And so with that, we've used our version of Dr. Pimple Popper. And that's junk coming out of these air ducts like crazy (laughs) so when we clean air ducts there's a really nice clear dome where you can actually see all that debris coming out of the system and so we'll show a video of that and then using like trending audio like now and like you use the reels and the audio and that kind of the algorithm behind instagram and tiktok and facebook it boosts it because it knows people want to watch that So we've used that. And then we try to splice in once we get people that are actually following us, we try to splice in some educational things on, you know, hey, here's how you are. Here's how you should be cleaning your dishwasher filter on a regular basis. 
So you're kind of educating and entertaining at the same time right. and you're mixing and matching. And uh, what's been really exciting is after doing that very consistently for about five years, we've actually got to the point where we are monetized on Facebook. So Facebook's actually sending us, uh, it's it's small, but it's something on a monthly basis. They're, they're sending us a deposit each month to pay us for all those interactions that we're receiving. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I, listen, I can't tell you in recent times how many phone calls with my kids start out by them saying, you're not going to believe what I just saw on TikTok. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, and then it's like, well, and, it, and it's stuff from business related to, mm-hmm. you know, product related. It really runs the gamut, you know, in terms of what content they're seeing and, and relaying to us. Yeah, it's really amazing how it's free to post for, for an entrepreneur. It takes a little bit of time. And I think it's really look as a roadblock or a barrier to, well, I don't have the right equipment or my videos can be shaky or maybe I say something dumb. And, and I think we've taken the approach of, you know what, something is better than nothing. Just get it out there and just post it. Go live on Facebook, get it out there. And then you get people like yourself, Larry, that my kids call me, told me I needed this new gadget <laughs> or this service and it works. So using that, I think that we're in a really cool stage for people running a business that you have all this opportunity to put free content out there. And you have masses, you have millions and billions of people that are having, they hold a computer in their hand every day called their cell phone, and you've got a captive audience. So you just got to get that content in front of them and educate people. Yeah, agreed. And I think to your point about getting the content out there and not trying to, you know, be a perfectionist about it, if you don't have to or can't, I think one thing is with some of the content we've done in the past, people are like, oh, why don't you hire a camera crew to do this or something like that? And I'm like, you know what? I think that that kind of makes it disingenuous, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I rather it have it be a little bit more raw and a little bit of a bounce in the camera because it makes it real. You didn't try to go and put this whole package together, right? Right. And I also think about the other saying I use a lot of times, which is done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. And nothing's ever perfect, right? We can keep refining it and we'll never get anything out there. So I think keeping those two things in mind are are very important, especially as a business person. And I think you're right. These tools, you would never able to put out a quote unquote commercial or content about your business for free like you can today. It's It's a great opportunity for all of us, for sure. Most definitely. So I know you use influencers. So how have you used influencers to help expand the business? You know, I think that's something that many entrepreneurs think about, mm-hmm. are unsure about how to do that effectively, and what, if any, return on investment they could expect to get from that. Yeah, for sure. Happy. This has kind of been something that's been very pivotal for us in our business. And our approach to it was these influencers have a have a captive audience. And so the first thing that we discussed as a team was which influencers are the right ones for us, because you've got the Kim Kardashians of the world. And then you've got the lady down the street who has like 800 people that follow her for her gardening tips, right? And all the things in between. So for us, it was, who are we trying to get to, right? Who knows our customer before us? And so using in the social media influencer world, we found those influencers for us on the routine maintenance side, women between the ages of 30 and 55. That's when we show up to give an estimate, that's usually who we're speaking to. So then now you go take a step back and who are they following online? Mm -hmm. Who are they listening to? and approaching those influencers. Now, when it gets time, gets down to the ROI, it's so far in different areas. There's been some that we've paid a large amount of money, thousands of dollars to post for us. 
and we think that we're our phone's going to ring off the hook and nothing happens. And on the flip side, we've had people that say, hey, do you want to just do like a trade of service? We'll come. We'll take care of all your routine maintenance for you today. And in return, will you post about us to your followers? And those ones, we've had 20, 30 new customers sign up. And these are customers who average 200, 299, 350 a quarter. You know, we're talking about $1,400 a year in reoccurring revenue are signing up for our service. So the ROI is all over the board there, Larry. But the nicest thing for us is that people get an opportunity to not only be educated and say, oh, I see that I follow Susie on social media and she's using these guys and I trust her. And if she trusts Cura Home, I can trust them too. It really gets you a few steps ahead. You don't need to go through so many steps of marketing where they need to see your company seven, eight, nine, ten times to hire you. They see you once and they're like, oh, and like I see, you know, Daniel, the owner, is talking to Susie. Like, I like this. Like, I like what right. they've got going on there. So I think it's to reach out and ask because we get a ton of no's. We get a ton of people that are like, oh, it's going to be five grand to post to my like 5,000 followers. And it's like, whoa, that's not going to work for us. Right. But then I think a lot of these people, especially if they're genuinely interested in your product, they are willing to share about you. And we've done this. We've had to get really creative with different industries as well. And also to stay like compliant, like for us, we'll have some realtors. Well, you don't have to be a brainiac to know you can't pay a realtor to, to you know, they're extremely regulated. So right. unique things where, hey, we'll service your home for free. And would you post about us on your social media? And that's something that, oh, 100%, we can do that. And there's no exchange of anything there. So Things like that are, you wouldn't know until you ask. So just get out there. And also just to be comfortable in front of a camera. I think a lot of people get really nervous and they think, oh my gosh, this is going to be on some huge news station or something like that. Just be yourself to your point, Larry, let the camera shake a little bit and just go out there and be yourself and explain what you do and show the people and show them the good, the bad and the ugly. I think they really like it. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think influencers and measuring that return on investment, I think is so difficult because Mm -hmm. Unless somebody specifically tells you that they came from that route, Mm -hmm. you don't know sometimes. It could be a combination. Now, they could have seen that influencer, and that could have been the last of six steps of or the sixth time they've seen you, and that kind of put them over the edge. You don't know. And I think to your point, it's a matter of getting the content out there, getting the different touch points, and then casting a wide net to kind of Mm -hmm. bring in those eyeballs or those interested people and see if you could call them down to people who will eventually be customers or clients of yours. Yeah. One thing that's interesting about marketing with social media influencers that I would say is different like than if you were going to have a, a postcard campaign or a TV commercial is the first time that someone posts about us and they're a social media influencer, that's typically our best results. That's when we get the most phone calls. Where if you were going to send out a postcard seven, eight, nine times to the same neighborhood, you would probably expect it to take that postcards down the road. It's a long-term thing. But with influencers, it's the opposite. By the time they've posted about us three, four, or five times, we're barely getting any phone calls or any messages about that. So it's a very interesting dynamic when you're looking at that on how that works. That's interesting from a uh, marketing standpoint, for sure. It's like reverse uh, of what you'd think. Mm-hmm. But good point, and thank you for sharing that. So one of the things I read about you and and I've seen is that you have a culture of this customer first. You really have this customer first mentality. How did you build that culture? And I mean, I imagine it dates back. The reason behind it is a lot of it has to do with your upbringing, your parents always putting their customers first, right? But how did you build that now in your business? Yeah, I think it really starts with day one, employee number one, right? How are we going to do this? How are we going to treat people? And 
And there's always going to be times, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, there's going to be an opportunity where you make a mistake and you have the opportunity to do what's right or what's wrong. And I think that the way that you speak about your clients when you're in a private meeting or wherever it is, I think that really sets that culture. And just assuming that I think of it as any one of our clients could come to our level 10 meeting on Tuesdays and listen in on, hey, Here's oh, the way that you're a Kieran, traction fan too. Oh huh? yeah, big yeah, big I traction know, guy. I did not yep. know that. So are <laughs> yeah. we. Yep. So are we. Yeah, it works. Oh, interesting. It does. And, yeah. So when you're talking about your goals, anything like that, at any time, one of our customers or clients could come in and listen in, and they would never be offended. And I would hope that they would walk out at me and be like, "Man, I'm so glad that I use these guys as a service." And so the way what you know, some of the things that we talk about with our technicians is. We're going to treat every customer as if you're at your like your sister, your mom or your grandma's house. How do you want them to be treated? Because that's what we're going to do. And sometimes that means we lose money on a customer. Sometimes I've showed up at a customer's house at nine o'clock at night because their water heater stopped working. And I'm on the phone with a plumber and he's like, Daniel, there's no way this is your fault that you did it. And I have to say, I don't really care, but this customer needs help. And, and they called me. So I'm, I'm here to help. And that customer, have they referred us to their entire neighborhood? I don't know. Maybe, but either way, if I see them at Sunday morning in church or wherever it is, I know that we're going to be able to shake hands and say, hey, how's it going? How's the kids? And I don't have to worry about that. The world is so small, Larry, and it keeps getting smaller. And I'm not going to have people out there that are like, oh, I hate those guys. We used them for like six months and they screwed up my entire HVAC system. And I would never use those guys. Maybe we did screw it all up, but I can tell you what, I did everything in my power to make it right. And when you start that way with employee number one and customer number one, and you just keep on doing that, and then they start employees start trading in other employees. Guess what? This is the way we do it here. If you're going to be on part of our team, this is the way we treat customers. And sometimes it sucks. Any company hates sending like a refund check or whatever. Right. But if that's what you have to do to fix your mistake, that's what you have to do. It's it's not always about profit. The people that work at Cura Home and the people that we service are more important to me than going on a vacation this winter because we made an extra thousand bucks, whatever. It's more important to me. The reputation of the people that work here and our customers, it's really, really important. Yeah, I think you really ingrained it in the business itself. And EOS, the employee operating system and the level 10 meetings, they're hugely beneficial. We actually had a show earlier last year. We had an EOS implementer on the show and uh, talked to him about the benefits of traction. And I'll, I'll tell you, more and more people that I'm speaking to, more and more businesses are really taking that to heart and implementing it in their practices. Because as you mentioned, it works and it yeah. uh, it really helps you succeed. So one of the things that is very interesting of the times we're in, and you're in a labor-intensive business, right? It's not like you can service all these clients yourself or these customers mm-hmm. yourself. You have to have service people going out there. How have you handled the hiring during these challenging times? Because that's the number one issue that we're hearing, to use a traction term. That's a big issue that we're hearing around from other businesses and business owners. Yeah, I think it's always always recruiting, even when you don't need someone, right? You're always looking for the next guy who's going to be a qualified team member for you. I think it's when you find someone who's really great, they probably hang out with people that are really great. And so, you know, expressing that to them, hey, who are your friends? Are they looking for a job? We're not at a point where we can have all this like really fancy stuff. You know, we don't have glass door conference rooms and ping pong tables all over the place. We're maybe one day, but we're not there yet. So we have to be creative. What we've done to help with that is is really be focused on the fact that we are a family owned business. And one of our client care coordinators who answers the phone, her baby is here every day from four to five o'clock and on Fridays. 
And this is like the best baby I've ever seen in the world. So it's, <laughs> it's not an issue. But there's little things like we do like that, that like, hey, we, yeah, this is a business and we focus on that. But retracting, attracting high quality team members is extremely challenging right now. And I think it's being creative and being honest with people and letting them know that when they are here, hey, I really, I'm going to go above and beyond to let you know that I really do appreciate what you do. It takes a team to do this. And, and we've had challenges for sure. But I think when you double down and really focus on it and you make that as a key focus in the next 90 days, we've been able to to schedule jobs we haven't had to pull back. But it takes it takes a continuous effort. For sure, it's one of those things that I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably don't want to have be one of their core, their big rocks or something like that of like hiring and attracting people like you right. just want to get a team and, and grow. But right now in this current culture, the last stat that I saw, Larry, was that for every two job openings, there's only one person to fill it. So even if every single person in America is working right now, there'd still be more jobs available. And it's something that we all have to deal with. So I think you can play around with that, increasing your prices maybe to slow demand or something like that. But luckily, we have not. it's not been a, a major roadblock for us. Right. That's good for you. And it's definitely been challenging out there from what we've hearing. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, but I think you answered it now, is you talk uh, proactively about your team meetings, which now I guess are level 10 meetings, Mm -hmm. and how accountability and transparency around that has helped your company. For those people out there, those entrepreneurs that aren't maybe familiar with level 10s and EOS uh, traction system, number one, you should go back and take a listen to the episode or the show that we had with our EOS uh, implementer. And then in addition to that, maybe you could just give them a little indication of how those work, why they lead to a level of accountability and transparency and how it's helped your business through conducting those types of meetings. Yeah, we've been running on EOS since the beginning of 2018. It's been extremely powerful. Us. Well, the way that we do it is we meet, we actually have a coach that we meet with once a week that I, I meet with. But as a team, Essentially, what we do is the human, I'm not sure the best, like the human program or pattern or habits, they seem to do really well for about 90 days. And so doing a 90 day reset, what we do is we meet offsite every 90 days. And we at that time discuss what are our goals for the next five, three and one year. And if those are our goals, what do we have to do in the next 90 days to do that? From there, we write down, here's the next 90 days and here's what it looks like as a company. And in those level 10 meetings, we go through and we talk about everything that we've, that we accomplished. Are we ahead of schedule? Are we behind schedule? What do we have to change in order to accomplish those goals? And it keeps everyone on the same page so that we have a few employees that work remotely, you know, that conference in and they know if we had a technician hired because they're, they're looking at all the information. So it really prevents a lot of like almost. Like, oh, I wish I would have known that last week because now it's discussed in the level 10 meeting and we go through and each department has their time to say, hey, I'm on track or I'm behind on this. I need help or we're rocking and rolling or I'm struggling. And here's the updates of what's going on in that meeting. So really, really impactful. I think there's a lot of different ways you can run, but following that EOS structure, read the book Traction. I have no affiliate with it, but I will tell you. It Me really neither. Ha- yeah, it will really help you. And, you know, Larry, there's a ton of people that are switching this EOS process. And I think it really truly works. Our company has really benefited from running on that structure. Yeah, I agree. And I'll, I'll give a little commercial here. I mean, if you are interested in it and you give us a call at Midland Financial, Mitchell York was the gentleman we worked with. And I'm sure he would be happy if you have an interest for us to have him send you a book. So Mm -hmm. if you're interested in learning more about this, where we implemented at Midland and Cura Home has as well, 
I'd be happy to uh, to pass along that information and hopefully get you a book so you can learn more about it. So what have you found is the key to your success and in business with Cura Home? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just having those goals documented and written down and then not getting distracted by the shiny objects. It takes a long time. You know, we've been in business for six years now, and it really takes a long time to reap some of those benefits. And there's a ton of stats on the number of businesses that don't make it past five years and things like that. And I think the biggest issue is just staying consistent and keeping your eye on the prize. And sometimes it sucks. Like sometimes it's really, really hard to run a business. And sometimes your financials aren't quite what you want them to be. Or someone who you, an employee who you'd hired, turns into one of your really good friends and they find a different opportunity. And you got to be happy for them at that time. But it's really challenging. You don't walk in the office and someone says, hey, Daniel, great job today running the business. I'm so thankful <laughs> for you. You know, you don't get that pat on the back like a, a lot of team members do. And so it's one of the hardest things that I think a lot of people can sign up for to be an entrepreneur. But I also think it's one of the most rewarding. I've seen employees' lives completely change because they started working here. And it's really, really rewarding. But it's a long road. And you've got to stay consistent you got to find little ways to kind of pep yourself up. Maybe you work with a US coach. Maybe you have a support system or a network group that, or, or someone who you say, hey, once a week, can I just call and brag? That's my mom for me. I call right. and I brag to my mom. Can I just let it all out? Like this week, we achieved this sales goal. And she's like, I'm super proud of you. Well, thank you. It was nice to hear one time <laughs> this week that my mom was proud of me. And, uh, but that's, I think, what, what people, a lot of business owners, when they end up, calling it quits or selling or whatever reason, maybe sooner than they would have, I think you just get worn out. Yeah. And it's a long road and it's worth it. Listen, I agree. Staying power is very important. You know, Midland Financial, we've been around 17 years now. And in certain instances, you know, we're helping people with their most prized possessions in in some cases, money and, and helping them work towards their financial goals. And sometimes people are intimidated by that at first. And we have people who are contacting us now that I've known for 15 or 20 years, but they're at a point, there's a flexion point, something going on in their life that all of a sudden they need help or assistance, and they know we have had the staying power and we're not going anywhere. So now all of a sudden they feel comfortable reaching out. So I, I think to your point, it is important that staying power and seeing that what you're doing and you're continuing to improve and innovate and you're still around after X amount of years, whatever that X is is really a telltale sign to others around you in your circle. And it's really an attractive feature for them and to them. So that's great. So listen, one of the things we like to do is get lessons and and kind of takeaways. So what do you think for you has been the most important lesson you've learned as an entrepreneur? I have to say it, it comes down to the financial, making sure you're in the right spot financially to not be stressed. And whatever you have to do to get there is for you. You know, for me, it's keeping a certain dollar amount in our bank account as a cushion. And we do run off of uh, profit first. That's where you know, have multiple bank accounts set up and, and you divvy up, you tell your money where to go. That's really been impactful for us. But when you're not financially stressed, you can make really sound, wise decisions. And when you're stressed out about finances, boy, it's not worth it losing that sleep or maybe you can't attract the talent you want or you had to let go of someone who you really wanted to be on your team. It's not worth it. So doing what you need to do to be at a spot where you're financially stable, it's worth it. And I think it should be at the forefront of your business decisions. Yeah. Having that cushion is, uh, like you said, it, it changes your whole mindset. It puts you in a 
in, in a mindset of having the ability to make decisions irrespective of the financial. And I think to your point earlier, it also allows you to make decisions for your clients and customers mm-hmm. without thinking about it. You know, if you're thinking about the long term and not thinking about the money, then it allows you to go out and see that customer who called you about their boiler, right? Because, hey, listen, it's not about the money. It's about the relationship first. So I want to do that. So I think the culture you've created kind of rains down and falls down to that financial aspect as well. So I applaud you for that. What's up next for Daniel Felt? What's the next big thing for you and for Cura Home? Yeah, for sure. The next big thing, we've expanded into a few of these markets and we've learned a lesson. That's that managing employees remotely is a challenge. And with that, right around the same time, we've had a lot of people inquiring about our services and they're they're interested in starting their own version of Cura Home in their market. And so we just recently launched franchises. We're really excited for that. So um, people that are interested in being there, running their own company, but kind of having a essentially a, a manual to do that and walk side by side along with us as a franchisor. So the next big thing for us, besides a, a little one on the way, which my wife and I are really excited about for Cura Home, it's offering those franchises. And we're really excited to see where that goes and walk alongside with the franchisee and help them be a successful entrepreneur. That's amazing. So you have a lot of a lot of good things, a little thing and a big thing yeah. you know, to look, look forward to. <laughs> yep. A little person coming into your life and a big business venture. So what could be better than that? So listen, Daniel, it's been a pleasure having you on. And we ask each of our guests the same last question because this is the Midland Money Mindset. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Yeah, first thing I did this morning, I, I meet to uh, two people at the gym at 5.15 every morning. Uh, from there, afterwards, I take a cold shower. That that, uh, that really, it sounds horrible, but I always feel really good from that. And whenever I leave in the morning, my son is always awake and saying goodbye to him is really an awesome time. And coming back home when he when he comes running up to the door and his, his arms are wide open to see me, it makes the work that's involved between those two times really rewarding. So mental health, physical health, and uh, having a family that's your why is uh, really rewarding all before 8 a.m. That's great stuff. And uh, I'm trying to picture in my head the gym in Minnesota going out at five o'clock in the morning in like, let's say, January, and then coming home to take a cold shower. There may not be that much of a difference between coming from in from outside in that cold shower. You, you know, it might be temperature neutral to you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Some, when you're, <laughs> it might when be you're... warmer the shower sometimes. I don't know. It definitely is. There's been times where the vehicle reads about 20 below when you're on the way to the gym and your face hurts as you're going and you're and you ask yourself why, but it's doing what other people aren't willing to do. And yeah, I mean, the cold shower, even on a 90 degree day in the summer or when it's 20 below, it never really feels good. But afterwards, it's so rewarding. And that kind of starts the day of, hey, you might have to make a small sacrifice to get a reward and it's worth it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that, Daniel. And we're going to have all your information in the show notes. But if our listeners want to find you, learn more about you, learn more about Cura Home, what's the easiest and best place for them to go? Yeah, we're on all the things, social media, Cura Home. But you really want to get in touch with us, you can find me on LinkedIn, Daniel Felt, or our website is curahome.com. That's K-U-R-A-H-O-M-E.com. Great, Daniel. It's been a pleasure having you on. I, I thank you for your time today and make it a great day. You too, Larry. 
I want to thank Daniel Felt for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Daniel has taken his knowledge and love of homes and created an entrepreneurial venture that he is proud about and challenged by at the same time. Daniel takes the perspective that challenges are simply learning experiences. He understands the importance of people and how his team have helped Cura Home grow to where they are today. Daniel and Cura Home can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.